our sermon today is from Luke 9, verses 46 through 50. If you please rise out of honor of God's word. Luke 9, verses 46 through 50. That's found on page 1,103 in your Black Pew Bible, or 1,257 in the Adventure Bible. I read in Jesus' name. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. Let us pray. Father, as we come to study your word, I ask that your spirit would be at work in us, helping us to hear these things, to understand these things, to apply these truths. Lord, that we might be changed, that we might become more like Christ. Lord, that we might reveal you to this world. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. That's a cool picture. Obviously, I don't put that stuff up. It's a cool picture. So, um, so today we're talking about greatness. We'll, we'll just jump right into the next one. We'll just jump right into this because, you know, we live in a world where greatness is important. Um, I, I'm teaching a dad's class at ECFE. Uh, the Early Childhood Family Education, and, and we actually talked last Thursday on value. What does it mean to be valuable? Like, why do people seek value? What does it mean to be valuable? How do we measure our value? And we talked about this as dads because it was the question, how do we, how do we teach our children to be valuable? How do we do that so then they're not looking for value from this world? And it was, it was a good discussion. And one of the things about value, one of the things about greatness is value. Why do people seek greatness? Well, so that I know that I'm valuable. If you guys think of me as wonderful, then maybe I could come to think of myself more, better, more highly, or whatever. And so, so people in this world seek greatness. And that's what's going on here with the disciples. So if we think that we're above this, <laughs> no, we're not above this. Peter, James, John, all of the 12, they're sitting there having an argument about who's the greatest. Now, I've yet to experience that here at Hosanna. Note the yet. I don't want to, though. But you just think about that. Can you picture this? Like, we hold the disciples really on quite a pedestal, don't we? They're sitting there having an argument, like, no, I'm better than you. No, you're not. I'm better. You're like, my kids will do that? My dad's better than your dad, right? So how do we measure greatness in a worldly manner? Because that's what they're talking about. That's what this starts out with. How do we measure greatness? Greatness is measured through comparison. And so in order to, because greatness isn't an absolute measurement. You know, like there's, there's an absolute cold. Zero Kelvin, those of you who like physics and whatnot. Zero Kelvin is an absolute cold. That's when everything stops moving. Zero Kelvin. There, there's a bottom there. But greatness doesn't exist like that. Kind of like rich doesn't exist like that. 
There are people in America who think they're poor when they have a home, when they have food, when they have warmth, when they have clothing, when they, have, they only have an old iPhone and not a new iPhone. And they think, oh, I'm poor. Like, n- you've got no idea. You, you go down to the Philippines, you go out to the bush in Africa, and you see people that they don't have a home. They don't, they don't have clothing. You, you interact. There is, there is poor in American senses, and there is really poor. And so, like wealth, greatness is comparative. If I'm hanging out with really smart people, I'm going to feel dumb. It's just the way it is. That's why I live in St. No, that <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, I really am. There. Yeah. But it's comparative. It's me versus you. Who, which one of us is greater? And that's the only way that we can measure greatness on an earthly manner. How do I know how great I am? Well, I have to be better than someone else. I have to be above someone else. I have to show my gifts more than someone else. I have to have this position. I have to have this or that or the other thing in order to show that I am better than you. I have to have a cleaner office than Janet has a house. <sighs> that ain't gonna ever happen. <laughs> Obviously, I'm less than that greater. But we compare ourselves in that way. Why are we ashamed of this? Well, because they might think more lowly of me because I want them to see my greatness. I want them to see how wonderful, how awesome, how valuable, or whatever I am. We think about that. Greatness, when we think about greatness, it is a, in an earthly sense, and I, I intentionally talk about that. In an earthly sense, greatness is comparative. I am better than this person. Or this person is better than me. But it's a then. Then. It's comparative. But then it also has to be measurable. Because how can we compare something that's not measurable? I can compare, like, IQs. I can say, well, my IQ is this much. Mark, how, is, how much is yours? Mark goes, well, it's obviously higher than yours, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> obviously. But it's, we measure that. Well, why do we measure those things? So that we can compare them. Well, there's other reasons too. But really, it's, it's got to be measurable. And so I can talk about how big my house is. I can talk about how many things in my house are in the right spot versus how many things in my house are not in the right spot or have no spot yet or whatever. You know, we can measure, compares- we, we can compare those things. I can say, well, my house is this big. Your house is that big. My house is used this many times. My house is this warm. My house, whatever. We have to be able to measure those things. That's one of the reasons people pursue positions. There's a lot of P's in that. That's why people sit far away from me. Um, why do people pursue positions? Why do they pursue credentials? So that they can demonstrate their greatness. See, look, I'm a pastor. See, look, I'm a CEO. See, look, I'm a middle manager. Who cares? See, look, see, look. See my position. My position is a definition of my greatness. See, only someone as great as me could be a principal. (laughs) But that's what's going on. That's why people seek, they pursue credentials, they pursue positions, they pursue titles. Why do you think kings have all of those titles after their names? You know, those titles grew and grew. You think about the Caesars. They started off with Julius Caesar and then it's da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Why did they keep adding all those things? Because obviously the second Caesar is greater than the first Caesar, so he's got to have another title. You know, just out of sheer weight of those things, kingdoms have to fall because of too many titles. 
And so then we have to be able to compare. See, I'm greater because I've got this. I'm greater because I've got that. Kids do that. Adults do that too. We're just more sly about it. They like my new pickup. (laughs) Well, what is that? It's a measurement of greatness. That's what's going on. So it's measurable and it's measured. So I could, (laughs) this is going to sound very strange. I could tell you how full the bag of lint by our dryer is. Would that be a measurement of greatness? It could. In what situation could that be a measurement of greatness? How full my bag of dryer lint is? I do fire starting material. How often I do my laundry? That's great. That's, that's wonderful. And you know what? The reality is we could devise a scenario in which people care. None of you would care. Nobody here would say, wow, Joe has a Menards bag full of laundry mint, lint, mint, full of laundry lint. You know, it's not one of those piddly Walmart bags. He's got a Menards bag full of it. Wow, that's impressive. No, who would care? You know, because the Menards bags are way better than the Walmart bags, by the way. If you ever need a grocery bag, go to Menards. Um, Really, they're actually thick and they don't have holes in them. It's, gotta, it's true. <laughs> it's got to be measured. Other people have to care. If I'm going to show off my greatness, I'm going to show off in a competition that other people are playing. Nobody here is playing the game, how much laundry lint do you have? Nobody's playing that game. And so I could brag about it and everyone would be like, go away. <laughs> That's just not a reality. You know, obviously, Walmart and Menards are not comparing themselves by their laundry or by their uh, grocery bags. They should be, and Menards would come out. Um, But they're not playing that game. And so it's got to be measured. In order for me to know my greatness, not only do I have to have someone to compare it to, I have to have someone who also cares about the same thing. And that... That's dangerous. That's hard. Think about that. How could I actually know my greatness? Why does it matter? On an earthly sense, if you take a big step back and just look at your life, why does it matter what this person thinks about my home? Why does it matter what this person thinks about the amount of laundry lint I have by my dryer? What does it matter that this person thinks about my clothing? What does that really matter? Why do I really care? We shouldn't, but we do. Why do we care? That's actually, you know, I was was thinking about this. I'll use an example that's not laundry lint. Um, So at our annual meeting, Mark praised the deacons. You know what I was tempted to do? I was tempted to be jealous. You know that the whole angel demon thing on your shoulders? There was something poking at me saying, you deserve that credit, not the deacons. I was like, whoa, what is this? Don't listen to that one. Thanks, Janet. (laughs) You're right. Don't listen to that one. But it was interesting. Was Mark doing something good? Absolutely. Deacons have been doing a fabulous job at Hosanna. But that was poking at me. Be jealous, be jealous, be jealous. Why would I feel jealous about that, that my deacons are doing a good job? It's because they're outshining you. You know what that was? Satan was tempting me to be jealous because of a lack of greatness. Because I wasn't being elevated. They were being elevated. You know, that's sin. That's my sin. When I was feeling jealous about them, that was, that was a temptation to sin. That's a reality. That's a reality from two weeks ago. And thankfully, I didn't give in to that temptation and say, hey, chairman, 
<laughs> no. But we feel those things. Maybe I'm the only one. You guys are probably far more sanctified than I am. But this doesn't that go the other way too? Explain. Um, especially in the political world. Look how poor I am, look how downtrodden I am. I see the same type of measurement that way. Exactly. Because they're playing a game. So if you think about these in terms of games, what's the goal for our modern woke victim mentality? Who's the bigger victim? Gad Sad actually talks about the victim Olympics. And he says, well, I'm a Lebanese Jew who, and he goes into it at all. You know, Paul talks about that too. Hey, you think you're great? I'm, I'm with the tribe of Benjamin. Yada, yada, yada. But yeah, within our modern culture, you get greatness or you get power through the amount of victim situations you can claim. And all that is, it's, it's just sin. If I can... If I'm claiming greatness because I am dignified and I can ignore insult, that's a game of greatness. If I can claim insult and get power through that, that's a game of greatness. Yep, you're right. Exactly. Thanks, Brian. Any other comments? Any other thoughts? Because this, this is the game. This is the goal of the majority of games that people play is greatness. Power is actually a measurement of greatness. If people give me authority, if I can do things, that means I'm greater. That means I'm more valuable. If people give me that authority, or if I'm able to take that authority. And so that's, this is the end goal. This is the end goal of the majority of games that people play. You get two people fighting, what are they fighting about? It's probably greatness. Well, I should get my way. Why should you get your way? Well, that's a question about greatness. Who is greater in this situation? You shouldn't treat me like that. That's a question of greatness. I am greater than you treating me like that. That's a question of greatness. You know, all of these things are the end goal of all of these fights, all of these battles, Republicans and Democrats, you know, two men, two women, men get in a physical battle. What are they doing? They're comparing greatnesses. That's what's going on. That's the end of it. You know, it, the means, we've got all sorts of different means, but that's the end. Just depends on which game you're playing in order to get to that end. What is godly greatness, though? What is true greatness? Okay, just making sure. Um, an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. So what is this child? Who is this child? In this day and age, a child was nobody. A child had no authority. A child had no prestige. A child was just a child. You know, a child is potential, but not realized potential. Children weren't rich. Children weren't powerful. Children were, this was the be seen and not heard sort of raising of children. Children had no value. Children had no prestige. Children had no power in that manner. And so the question ends up being, how do you treat the one of no value? And so Jesus says, you want to know your greatness. How do you treat your server at a restaurant? Think about that. I know people who treat their servers as servants. I know people who treat their servants, servers as friends. I know people who treat servers really well. I know people who treat servers really poorly. How do you treat the person that's on the helpline with waste management? 
<laughs> oh, that was a test. <laughs> How do you treat these people? Are they to blame? Do you unload all of your anger upon them? No, they're... How do you treat... How do you treat the nobody? How would you want to be treated? Yep, the golden rule. How would you want to be treated? Because that's actually... Jesus is saying, you want to know your greatness. How do you treat nobodies? How do you treat those who are below you? How do you treat those who are under you? How do you interact with them? Do you interact with them in my name? Or do you interact with them in your name? Do you use them to get what you want? Or do you bless them? Because that's what Jesus did, right? I have not come to be served, but to serve. So if I'm going to do this in Jesus' name, how am I going to treat that person at Waste Management that's talking to me for the first time when I've talked to them many times? How am I going to treat that person? Am I going to be a blessing to them? Or am I going to allow all of my irritation at an organization to creep in and pour that upon that person? It, it's a test. It's a test. Yeah. These. Okay, I'm going to stop with the word test because it, it deviates too much. And so it is a test. It's a test in that God's calling us to play it out, to practice it to measure ourselves based upon this. How do I treat nobodies? How do I treat someone that has no authority, that will never see, they'll never be able to respond back to what I've done? How do I treat that person? How do I treat myself or my family when I know that it's never going to leave this situation? How do I treat my time that's otherwise wasteable? How do I treat this no nothing? How do I treat this nobody? So are you going to treat them like I would treat them? Are you going to treat them in my name? Are you going to receive them as Christ would receive them? Are you going to bless them? Are you going to serve them? Are you going to build them up? How are you going to treat this person? Or are you going to use them for your own sake? Because that's what our world does. Our world is exploitative. They say capitalists are exploitative. No. Our world, sin, exploits. Godliness blesses. I'm going to say that again. Sin exploits. It just takes. It steals. It receives. But godliness gives. It's generous. It serves. It builds up. It edifies. That's why I'm so excited about our ladies' homeschooling group because they, they just built up the other ladies. You know, just, I was so, so joyful to hear that, that God is using them to just simply build up. It's not about what we can receive. It's about what we can give. Do you receive them in Jesus' name? Do you receive them as Jesus would? Because when you do that, you receive God. You're like, oh, Joe, you're getting kind of legalistic there. Oh, that's what Jesus says. For he, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. You want a deeper relationship with God? Serve. Bless. Bless for the sake of Jesus. That's what this is talking about. If I bless for the sake of Joe, in whose name am I blessing? Joe, you know. So then I'm not doing this with the proper motivation. And I'm not saying, okay, so here's how you get the proper motivation. Actually, I am. You confess and you repent. If I'm blessing someone and I'm starting to feel the burden about that and like, this is a struggle, this is, this is, there's something wrong, then I need to go to God because God's telling me that emotion that there's something wrong in this, that's God telling me you're doing this wrong. You might be doing the wrong thing, you might be doing it with the wrong motivation, 
Um, you might be doing it impatiently, and not that I've ever done that either. But um, these things happen. So have you guys ever been helping someone and then started feeling embittered towards them? So what does that tell you? You're doing the wrong thing, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, or you haven't done it long enough. But sometimes when we bless people, we, we receive so much more than we give. What does that tell you? Thank you, Jesus, that you're actually at work in me, that you're allowing me to bless for your sake. Because that's the Holy Spirit working out through you, bringing that back upon you. And so we watch our emotions so that we can discern, okay, Lord, how should I interact with this? What's going on? How do you treat the nobody? How do you treat the destitute? How do you treat, how do you treat them? You serve them, you bless them. How do you treat those who are above you and below you? How do you treat them? Because in our culture, in this victimhood culture, I can speak poorly of our president, but I can't speak poorly of a victim. Well, that tells you something. Who's got the real power then? If I can, if I can insult the president of the United States, but I can't insult a woman, what does it tell you? Who's got the real power? I've even kind of terrified just to even say that, to point that out. No, who's got the real power here? So how do we serve those who are above us? How do we serve those who are our peers? How do we serve those who are nobodies? We respect, we love, we bless. And if that gets embittered, then there's something wrong in your soul. Something wrong in your relationship with God. And that's supposed to drive you. That bitterness, its purpose is to drive you back into to the hands of Jesus. All right, I feel like I'm going too far on this. So then there becomes competition, though. If I'm not seeking godliness in a godly way, I will seek godliness in an ungodly way, and we will use that to compete. Because that's what the disciples are doing here. They're continuing. They're continuing this competition. Don't worry, I'll wrap this up quickly. John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him. Hold on a second. You just saw someone performing miracles in the name of Jesus, and so they're bringing glory to Jesus, and you say, hey, you can't do that. You don't have the right credentials. You don't walk with us. They're, they're, obviously, we're better because we go to this church, because we belong to this group. Like, wait a No. Do you know what? Churches should never be in competition with each other. Christians should never be in competition with each other. Families should never be, Christian families should never be in competition with each other. Why? Because we're all working towards the same goal. If I'm in competition with First Lutheran or Augustana or Crossroads or the Catholic Church or whatever, trying to show who's more godly or who's got this more right, I almost said writer. <sighs> Pastors, you think I graduated college. If I'm trying to show that and I'm trying to bolster myself through that, what am I doing? I'm saying there's us and there's you guys. Jesus is saying, hold on a second. Who are you living for here? Is this for us or is it for Christ? Because Jesus says, how does he end this? Do not stop him. For the one who's not against you is for you. There's an assumption there, though, that I'm not out for my greatness, that I'm actually out for the kingdom of God. So if I'm out for my greatness and 
Dar is demonstrating his greatness through his godliness, and I'm out for my greatness through my godliness, then Dar and I are actually in competition because we're both seeking, well, he, he probably wouldn't be, but I would be seeking my greatness, and Dar's just seeking to be godly, but I'm seeking to be great through godliness. I'm going to be jealous of Dar's godliness. And I'm going to compete against him. I'm going to say, Dar, you can't be praying like that, Dar. You can't be showing that you love Jesus, Dar, because that's getting in the way of my greatness. So when Jesus here says, the one who's not against you is for you, what Jesus is saying is if you're seeking my kingdom, you're going to rejoice that Dar is seeking my kingdom. You're going to rejoice that Sarah is seeking my kingdom. You're going to rejoice because my kingdom's coming through them too because this is too big for you. Think about that. The one who's not against you is for you. If someone's saying, Joe, stop seeking the kingdom of God because you're making me look bad. I say, we're seeking a different kingdom there, brother, sister, friend, whatever. Because we're seeking the kingdom of God. And so anybody else then that outshines us, we could say, praise God, because Jesus is working through them. The kingdom of Christ is coming through them. That's what this means. So who is greater? It doesn't matter. Who are you seeking is the question. What are you living for? You want to experience greatness? Serve the least. Serve the president. Serve the victim. Serve the least. You will experience greatness and you will see what God does. You will live out what God does. You will receive God. You'll grow in your walk with Christ. You'll see Christ more. I tell you what, I've never... I didn't understand the love of God until I got married, and I thought then I understood the love of God, and then I got, had kids. And then I thought, wow, I'm really starting to understand the love of God. And yet God s- still says, just wait. <laughs> it's bigger. And so as we serve, what happens? We get to see God. So don't compete. You feel that jealousy? You know what you should do with that? God, forgive me. This is sin. You see someone else, like, Lord, how should I interact with that person? Bless them. It doesn't matter where, which social rung they are. It doesn't matter how rich they are, poor they are. It doesn't matter how great they are or little they are. It doesn't matter their reputation. It doesn't matter. What do we do? We bless them. We serve them. We edify them. We build them up. Why? So that they would then come to follow us, not to follow us, but to follow us towards the kingdom of God, to work towards it same goal that we all should be working towards. What does Jesus say? Seek ye first your own greatness. The kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto you. They'll be in their proper position. Seek first the kingdom of God. Well, my greatness might not happen then. God says, why do you care? Then you're not seeking the kingdom of God. My priorities are messed up. Any questions? Pretty simple, right? Just a little long. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you that I don't need to seek my greatness, Lord, but that I can serve. Lord, that I can know my spot, know my position. Pray that you would work, that you would bless. Father, that you would grow your kingdom, that you would even use us to grow your kingdom as we serve those who you bring into our lives. And so, Father, we praise you. Bless us now as we seek that end. And forgive us when we seek our own greatness. May you be glorified, not us. 
ask this in Jesus' name.